Up until now, very few professionals have taken the problem of the nice guy syndrome seriously or offered an effective, comprehensive solution. The earliest reference I have found by a mental health professional to the nice guy syndrome is in a tape recorded in 1985 by Neil Scott, LMSWACP. The tape is entitled, The Nice Guy and Why He Always Fails with Women. Most other references to nice guys or the nice guy syndrome address the issue in a humorous manner or from the place of nice guys being helpless victims. This is why I wrote No More Mr. Nice Guy. This book shows nice guys how to stop seeking approval and start getting what they want in love, sex, and life. The information presented in No More Mr. Nice Guy represents a proven plan to help men break free from the ineffective patterns of the nice guy syndrome. It is based on my own experience of recovery and my work with countless nice guys over the last 20 years. No More Mr. Nice Guy is unashamedly pro-male. Nevertheless, countless women have supported the writing of this book. Women who read the book regularly tell me that it not only helps them better understand their nice guy partner, it also helps them gain new insights about themselves. The information and tools presented in No More Mr. Nice Guy work. If you are a frustrated nice guy, the principles presented in the following pages will change your life. You will learn effective ways to get your needs met. Begin to feel more powerful and confident. Create the kind of intimate relationships you really want. Learn to express your feelings and emotions. Have a fulfilling and exciting sex life. Embrace your masculinity and build meaningful relationships with men. Live up to your potential and become truly creative and productive. Accept yourself just as you are. If the above traits sound good to you, your journey of breaking free from the nice guy syndrome has just begun. It is time to stop seeking approval and start getting what you want in love, sex, and life. Chapter 1. The Nice Guy Syndrome I'm a nice guy. I'm one of the nicest guys you're ever going to meet. Jason, a chiropractor in his mid-thirties, began his first session of individual therapy with this introduction. Jason described his life as perfect, except for one major problem, his sex life. It had been several months since he and his wife Heather had been sexual, and it didn't look like anything was going to change soon. Jason spoke openly about his marriage, his family, and his sexuality. An affable man, he seemed to welcome the opportunity to talk about himself and his life. More than anything, Jason wanted to be liked. He saw himself as a very generous, giving person. He prided himself on not having many ups and downs, and for never losing his temper. He revealed that he liked to make people happy, and that he hated conflict. To avoid rocking the boat with his wife, he tended to hold back his feelings and tried to do everything right. After this introduction, 
Jason took a piece of paper out of his pocket and began to unfold it. While doing so, he stated that he had written a few things down so he wouldn't forget them. I can never do it right, Jason began, looking over his list. No matter how hard I try, Heather always finds something wrong. I don't deserve to be treated this way. I try to be a good husband and father, but it's never good enough. Jason paused as he looked over his list. This morning is a good example, he continued. While Heather was getting ready for work, I got our baby Chelsea up, fed her breakfast, and gave her a bath. I had her all ready to go and was about to get ready myself. Then Heather walked in and got that look on her face. I knew I was in trouble. "'Why'd you dress her in that? That's a good outfit!' Jason mimicked his wife's tone. "'I didn't know she wanted Chelsea to wear something different. After everything I did to get her ready this morning, it was still wrong.' "'Here's another example,' Jason continued. "'The other day I cleaned the kitchen and did a real good job. I loaded the dishwasher, did the pots and pans, and swept the floor.' I thought Heather would really appreciate all that I was doing to help out. Before I was finished, she walked in and asked, How come you didn't wipe off the counters? I wasn't even done, for goodness sake. But instead of noticing all that I had done and thanking me, she focused on the one thing I hadn't finished yet. Then there is the sex thing, Jason said. We only messed around a few times before we got married because we're both Christians. Sex is real important to me, but Heather just isn't interested. I thought once you got married, everything was supposed to be great. After all I do for Heather, you'd think she'd be willing to give me the one thing I really want. I do a lot more than most guys. It seems like I'm always giving so much more than I get. Now, looking like a little boy on the couch, Jason pleaded... All I want is to be loved and appreciated. Is that too much to ask? Some of the nicest guys you will ever meet. Men like Jason walk into my office on a surprisingly regular basis. These guys come in all shapes and sizes, yet they all have the same basic worldview. Let me introduce you to a few more. Omar. Omar's number one goal in life is to please his girlfriend. Nevertheless, she complains that he is never emotionally available for her. In fact, every one of his previous girlfriends has had the same complaint. Since Omar sees himself as such a giver, he can't understand these accusations. Omar states that his greatest joy in life is making other people happy— he even carries a pager so his friends can get in touch with him if they need anything. Todd Todd prides himself on treating women with honesty and respect. He believes these traits set him apart from other men and should attract women to him. Though he has many female friends, he rarely dates. The women he knows tell him what a great listener he is and often call him to share their problems. He likes feeling needed. These female friends constantly tell him what a great catch he will make for some lucky woman. 
In spite of the way he treats women, he can't understand why they all seem to be attracted to jerks rather than to nice guys like him. Bill Bill is the person to whom everyone turns when they need something. The word no just isn't in his vocabulary. He fixes cars for women at his church. He coaches his son's Little League baseball team. His buddies call on him when they need help moving. He looks after his widowed mother every evening after work. Even though it makes him feel good to give to others, he never seems to get as much as he gives. Gary Gary's wife has frequent rage attacks in which she verbally shames and demeans him. Because he is afraid of conflict and doesn't want to rock the boat, Gary will avoid bringing up subjects that he knows might make his wife angry. After a fight, he is always the first one to apologize. He cannot recall his wife ever saying she was sorry for any of her behaviors. In spite of the constant conflict, Gary says he loves his wife and would do anything to please her. Rick Rick, a gay man in his early forties, is in a committed relationship with an alcoholic. Rick came to counseling to help his partner Jay with his drinking problem. Rick complains that it always feels as if it is up to him to hold everything together. His hope is that if he can help Jay get sober, he will finally have the kind of relationship he has always wanted. Lyle Lyle, a devout Christian, tries to do everything right. He teaches Sunday school and is an elder in his church. Nevertheless, he has struggled since adolescence with an addiction to pornography. Lyle masturbates compulsively.